welcome to the Bill Brasky Cast. I'm your host, as always, Bill Motherfucking Brasky. Uh, tonight on the show, we originally had John Bonham as a guest, but uh, he's off uh, on wild adventures, banging women, uh, cocktail waitresses, two at a time. So he uh, he failed to be on. So uh, I actually had to reach out to the bullpen a little bit. And uh, uh, this guy is not known on the GNR communities. Uh, he's just a buddy of mine. So my buddy Joe's Joe. Joe, do you want to say hi to the people? Yeah, thanks for having me on, Bill. Thanks, Joe. I fucking appreciate you. All right, so we're going to go to our co-host with the most. We got fucking GNR Liars. GNR Liars, how are you, buddy? I'm excellent tonight, guys. How How is everyone doing? Welcome to the show, Joe and John Bonham. I will live vicariously through you tonight. John Bonham right now is a walking Seattle's commercial. I mean, honestly, JB, we love you, but man, you know, make sure, you know, you're a little older now. Uh, and finally, my other co-host, Wasted. How are you, bud? Uh, this week, I'm stupid, drunk, and fat. You well, sound American. living the gimmick. Oh, fuck yeah. Live the dream. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. So we got to address a, fir- a few things first. Um, one, uh, last week, if you listened to the show, I mentioned that me and the uh, – Manager of Guns N' Roses, Mr. Fernando, have spoken a few times, and I mentioned to him how good Don't Cry sounded, and uh, all the guys like, oh, yeah, and then Fernando kind of responded back to me in a way of, oh, yeah? Like, you know, now in retrospect, knowing that the future EP release is going to have fucking Don't Cry live on it, and the song that I was referring to sounding good was actually Don't Cry, I see Fernando's gone trolling. I've also noticed the fact that they're releasing an EP called Hard School with a fucking locker on the cover. Axel, you trolling son of a bitch, you. I mean, it's amazing. And finally, folks, we also want to report that even though Bill Brasky himself said Las Vegas for the fucking hard school, the fat cast itself told you it was coming in September. I'm going to turn it over right now to GNR Liars. GNR Liars, I want you to get our guest Joe involved. I don't want Joe to be rushed, but I want you guys to give us our opinions, one, on hard school, uh, the EP coming up, and just everything wild in Guns N' Roses. Fantastic. I, until you said it, Brasky, I didn't put two and two together about the locker on the cover of Hard School. Um, epic troll job by Guns N' Roses right there. Epic troll job by Axel. Um, that's, I had to keep that quiet until the fat cast because I didn't want to fucking let it Yeah, out. you kind of blew my mind when you said it. Yeah, that, it's it's really funny. Like, it's, it's fucking great. Good for them, man. Um, as far as Hard School goes, listen. Um, you know me on the forum. I don't hold back when it comes to Axel and Slash and the reunion and the disdain I have for it. And um, But at the end of the day, they're still my favorite band, and I still listen to them every day. And um, when I heard Hard School the other day, um, I was at work, and I just took a break, decided to pick up my phone, and I opened up, and I saw Hard School was there, and I listened to it, and I fucking loved it, man. This is, to me, it sounds exactly like Guns N' Roses should sound. Um, it, it, it has a lot of, um, appetite elements to it, like that, the Slash's soloing, uh, sounds, to me at least, sounds a lot like Appetite. Um, it's easily the best song they've put out since User Illusions. Um, there's no comparison for me. And as for everyone saying that they like the Village Leaks better and, and all that, I, I don't. I, I think this is better. This is exactly what they should have put out right now. To, like, it's it's a radio friendly rock song. 
and that's what Guns N' Roses are. They're 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 a radio rock band, and they they play their songs on the radio. So this this song should be played because, man, I, I must have had it on repeat for about. I'm not even joking. I probably listened to it about 15 times in a row, and I was like, "This is this is good, man." Um, Joe, uh, what, what do you think? What, what were your initial thoughts on it? Well, uh, I don't know if I should be embarrassed or proud of the fact that I, I probably listened. I don't know, eight or nine hours straight with no breaks when it came out. Um, yeah, I love it. Definitely think it's a lot better than the earlier demos we had heard. Um, you know, but to the people that are listening that hate it or like the demos way better, I get it. Like <laughs> you fall in love with a song a certain way, uh, especially something like, uh, silkworms where maybe you fell in love with a Rio version literally 20 years ago or a certain leak however many years ago, that's what your brain's used to. Uh, for me, like knowing this stuff was coming, I deleted the leaks, you know, uh, weeks or months ago and, and tried to get it out of my head and, and get the songs as fresh as possible and they finally came out. I couldn't even tell you what the leak was like now because I've listened to the new version so much. Absolutely Agreed. love it. Agree with you. A nice mix of appetite illusions, enough Chinese to feel kind of newer and fresher. Um I can't say it's my favorite song since Illusions. There's definitely, you know, five or six or maybe even seven Chinese songs I like better than Hard School. But Chinese Democracy is my favorite album of all time. So the fact that I like Hard School better than half of Chinese, if not more, uh, is saying a lot. So I, I do love the song. I can't wait to hear more. And, you know, um, if you told me however many years ago that we would finally have Finnish studio versions of Checkmate and Silkworms and that Slash and Duff were on them, I'd say you were crazy. Uh, I think everybody should be rejoicing in celebration. This is hopefully the beginning of, of more stuff for years to come. Uh, and for those that, that we're not going to be satisfied by anything less than a full album, they're just going to have to keep waiting. This is Guns N' Roses. Waiting is part of the culture. Perfect. Well said. Wasted. I want to know what, what's on that beautiful mind of yours. Um, well, sort of what I was thinking is that, like I said, on the last on the last podcast, when we were talking about it, I didn't think that we were really going to get that kind of like user illusion, like hard rock version uh, or any song coming out on the new album like that, because it's all about the, the vocals that Axel's already done. Maybe he's recorded new stuff, but. So you get the you're gonna if you get Slash and Duff then you you're gonna get a you're gonna get sort of you're gonna get the Chinese democracy like production which is probably gonna, not gonna bring you to the point where you get like another uh, you uh, you could be mine for example or like that hard rock song, sound that old school sound that they really want so but what they did was they they've kind of like got these which I didn't really expect is that they've used the They've kind of got Slash doing like a soul, like a song off his solo album, but then they've got the AFD motifs, like the bass riff, the cowbell. The solo I thought was like Queens of the Stone Age, so I thought that was really interesting. So that kind of experimental part, which is sort of coming from the Chinese democracy side, where Slash is like a sort of adjusting to like this new world, which is kind of like the Chinese democracy production and you know, Costanzo, the production's really, really tight. It's really probably hard to actually do what he's doing, you know, but you've still got all those, you've got the Slash solo, and it kind of somehow sounds like Appetite for Destruction 
somehow in part like the the way the vote uh, the the verses are kind of um sort of more uh softer and then you have a bigger chorus and you've got that rage so it's not as flat as the chinese democracy songs where axel's vocal was sitting in so it's all really clear which is what we've already had from uh observed observed he's sort of it's like he's listened to what people have complained about you know you can't hear the vocals you know so that's basically what i was thinking is that it kind of comes out like that and then in the end it's almost like a i don't know it's almost like a tribute to afd joe i just wonder i'd love to hear your take on fucking wasted steak i mean i really would well uh <sighs> <laughs> yeah. chinese chinese democracy was such a weird like all these different musicians, all these different styles and genres, like put in a blender, right? And then, so you take that way of doing things and then try to blend it with their previous albums. So I don't know if that makes it even a uh, more complicated blend or maybe in some ways a less complicated blend. However you want to describe this new mixture. And I feel this way about Absurd as well. Uh, yeah, I, I honestly wish this process, and I hate to say this because I love Chinese Democracy so much, I kind of want to hear the entire Chinese Democracy album like redone in this new philosophy with Slash and Duff. Um, you know, these two songs are kind of just blowing my mind. I look at my iTunes play count, and it's just like hundreds of plays on these two songs. Um, I guess my question for Wasted and Liars would be, of all the songs that we know that exist, if there was going to be another EP of this nature a year or two from now, what are the two songs that you would want? Um, I'm kind of, I'm sort of expect, I'm well, I, I've got this, I've got this idea in my head that it's he, they're just using vocals Axel's already done, and then we've heard some of them. So Eye on You, and I don't know about Oklahoma. Those are the two, and a quick song. They're going to fit this format of singles that they're putting out where you don't put out, you just put out like a punchy, fast song, which grabs attention. And Slash really wants to do that sort of stuff, like his solo albums, just fast rock. Uh, maybe the album tracks will come on the album. You know, the longer big rock songs that they've done, like Soul, Soul Monster or uh, what's that one called? Maxim, Circus Maximus. They're instrumentals, but I think for the singles that they, they're going to, if they are going to do a series of singles, they're going to do the punchy songs like Quick Song, Eye on You and uh, Oklahoma, Berlin. Is it called Berlin? I don't know. But those are the ones that I think will they'll put on the, the new another double A side with two live tracks from not in, not in this lifetime tour. Like like Don't Cry and You're Crazy. As for me, um to be honest, I when I got the Village Leaks, I, I listened to them. and Well, we I, have to call them the Locker Leaks now. The Locker Leaks, yeah, good call. Yeah. <laughs> when I listened to the Locker Leaks, um, I, I quickly put them away. I didn't really like them. Um, with with the exception of, of Hard School, and, and going back to what you uh, what you said, Joe, that I, I don't even remember really what the demo sounded like because it's been so long since I've listened to it. Um, I, I didn't, one song that stuck out with me, and I, I'm probably in a minority here, but it was an instrumental from Buckethead 
that I think they could do something with. It was called Prom Violence. I like that one. Um, just something about it piqued my interest. And um, I, I don't know if anything could be done with it. It's, 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 it's a typical Buckethead instrumental, right? But it's it, it sounded quite good to me. And as for, as for the other ones, I, I don't think I can give you an answer as to what I want to hear because nothing really stuck out with me because I, I really didn't like them. Well, do you guys think the some of the vocals from Eye on You being used on the bridge of hard school, does that mean that Eye on You is never coming out? I think maybe it's like a, a kind of like Easter egg because that's the way that they made that single is they've dropped, even though it's basically just a, like a slash solo song that's been produced like in a sort of Evil Empire, uh, Costanzo way, really tight. They dropped in all these uh, AFD motifs, and then that was a little kind of, it could be a sign that, that Eye on You is the next single. Hey, hey, I wanted to play. I don't know why I didn't get to play, but I'm playing. So two songs that haven't been released that I want. I want yeah. State of Grace. Okay. Yeah. And I want the cover of Children of the Revolution. Give me those two songs, and I might not even give a shit anymore. For those. Does that Does that exist for real? Yes. I think another I can band at least covered confirm, it for the I can album. at least confirm the vocals that we would care about on the song exist. I can't confirm the rest of the band was there, but I can confirm that, yes. I, I see State of Grace as being like the IRS of the CD2. Ooh. If you know what I mean. It's, it's a little know. bit over the top for a single. You know, it's like a rage. It's one of those actual rage vocals. I don't care, dude. I still wish back in the 2002 VMAs that fucking, instead of Welcome to the Jungle, they came out and did State of Grace, and he's just cock-teasing the audience the whole time, just slowly building up the song, and then he goes berserk with Rasp. Everyone yeah. would have bowed to Axl Rose if he did that. Just saying. And he, Yeah, it's, it's a great track. It's like a GNR classic track, like IRS, but it's not necessarily the single. But Do you guys think that Absurd and, and Hard School will be on the album? That's an, like, that's could another, there be a series of singles and then in four years we get an album and it's you know six songs we already got and another eight songs we haven't heard yet or something like that? No, no I, was, I think you get the I was, full album. I was just chatting on on the forum with uh, not chatting but just posting with Red Hook and uh, yeah he was saying he was talking about the Not in This Lifetime live album. That's where the two tracks on the EP came from, and I was I was thinking like. You know, if if they take seven years and they drop two two tracks, an A and a B side every year, that will be the album. And that way they can each year they can milk, you know, they can sell more merch. Like this single to me feels like this hardcore hardcore single seems like a like a form of merch. Like in February you're gonna get the you're gonna be able to buy the tape and the the vinyl and the the CD, but you're just buying it to own the physical. You know, it's like an old school experience of like. The, yeah, of the I, order, I ordered the tape. Yeah. And then, but so, they, so they're going to sell, they're going to maybe, why bust, why put out the full album and sell 50K? I don't know how many they'll sell, but say 50K. Is that what they sell these days, CDs? When they can milk like seven, seven singles and sell merch on top of all that, they're going to make a lot more money. As soon as you put the record out, it's, it's over, isn't it? which happened with CD it, putting their album out is the end, not the beginning of something because people cherry pick. 
they would just go through and say, I only like these two songs, and they won't even buy the album. So it's like you can't even put an album out, really, in in the same way as you used to be able to, where you have to buy the album to get the tracks. You can kind of cherry pick, can't you? Yeah, I mean, if you look at it that way, you can go, what's the best of the best? I mean, you can look at a song where, you know, Axel is trying to make something work with Quick Song, and maybe he takes, you know, the part of Quick Song he has and translates it to something that Slash and Duff have vocals already ready for. Because, you know, they had a Bell Revolver album they fucking wanted to get going for a third one of them, too, I believe. Uh, with Corey Taylor, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, they can, they can to, use these sorry songs. To sorry to interrupt here. According to Dave Kushner, uh, from what I read, this is pretty recent, too. Um, there, there's, there's quite a bit of Velvet Revolver stuff that is on the shelf that is, he, he doesn't think that I'll ever see a light of day. Like that Corey Taylor album actually exists, according to him. Maybe, maybe I'm, I'm wrong or maybe I'm late to the party on I, this. I don't, I believe it was like eight to ten demos. Okay. I don't know if it's like a finished, polished album, but yeah, they were, most of the way towards having an album's worth of stuff. Right, right. I'd lo- personally, I'd love to hear it. I mean, I'm not a big Stone Sour fan or um, what's his other band? Uh, Slipknot. Sorry. Slipknot, sorry. I'm not a big Slipknot or Stone, Stone Sour fan, but I can appreciate Corey Taylor for what he is, if that makes sense. He's a good front man. So, yeah. I don't think he's bad by any means. I mean, I, I prefer Josh Todd in the role as Velvet Revolver lead singer, but, I mean, you know, Corey Taylor's album, I mean, I think there was eight tracks they got done. I'd fucking love to hear that shit. But, but they, you got to um, look at... What? Uh, but would they kind of... You know, uh, they had VR, I forgot which song, Do It For The Kids. Isn't that the Izzy Straddling riff? Would they do something like that, whereas they, like, they just bring in some of the riffs and ideas from that Velvet Revolver for the new material that Slash wants to put out. Because this band is like a combination of new guns and VR in a way. That hasn't actually happened yet. Because I thought that it would be Hard School, which would be the VR-type single, which would be the 80s hard rock. But they just did something that's a lot more complicated. uh, I, I think that Do It For Your Kid, Do It For The Kids... Um, you're right, is an Izzy Stradlin song, and if I'm not mistaken, um, his version of that song is on his Like a Dog album. Uh, it's called Bomb. I, the riff Bomb. is from Bomb. Exactly. Yes, it, that's what it's called. It's called Bomb. Yeah. Yeah. So I wonder if they would do that. Like Slash would just say, well, this is, I don't know if they have that, if they can do that. I'm not sure. Can they just bring in, like, Last time Slash brought some songs to Axel, it broke up the band. But anyway, that's just my take. <laughs> Joe, what do you think? You're being pretty quiet right now. You're not doing your fantasy football, are you? Well, no, I've never actually done fantasy football. I wouldn't even know how to. But uh, I, I think this is an interesting topic in general uh, because you have a lot of fans who are disappointed by the new material or are upset claiming it's not new material. And normally, the fans of a band would not know how the sausage was made. They would not know where the riffs had come from if nobody talked about it and they hadn't have leaked years earlier. So it's very common. You start a band, you rejoin a band. Oh, I didn't use this. This is from 10 years ago. I never used it. Let's repurpose it. 
stuff is mixed and matched. Songs might be worked on for years. We didn't make it on that record. We use it 10 years later. That kind of stuff happens all the time. The fans have no idea. It's none of their business. The song hasn't come out before, so it's a new song. And Guns N' Roses fans, if you're a hardcore Guns N' Roses fan, it's been a long time since you've got something you haven't heard in some sort of form before. So I, I get that, but if you say to me, well, could Slash and Duff take something that they were going to use on the Corey Taylor Velvet Revolver record? Yeah, why not? Nobody would know the difference. Bands do that all the time. Fans have no idea. No one was you know, buying Use Your Illusion in 91 knowing that November Rain had leaked on a demo tape in L.A. in 84 or whatever. Like, This is kind of a, a unique thing for this band that we've seen such a, a inside part of the process for so long or you know a magazine in 2002 might have mentioned a song that's going to come out on the next record in 2025 but uh they can definitely repurpose things bands do it all the fucking time the only difference is guns and roses the fans know it but also so i'm glad le- also legally like if it's matt sorum's band or something velvet revolver if somebody in the band who owns rights on the song, they can block it. But if everybody's happy with it, well, it, it would it's depend. Not, not going to be a problem. Those songs legally might not be registered since they didn't really come close to putting them out. And okay. so, whoever owns the riff, it's just their riff. I mean, that kind of stuff happens all the time. Um, and, uh, I doubt what's that Matt song wrote- called. Uh, the Axel claims that Slash uh, wrote uh, "Fall to Pieces" in in the Guns yeah. N' Roses session, right? And that got taken away to Velvet Revolver. So, you know, if Axel couldn't stop him doing that, it must be easy to, it must be, they yeah, must be unless to the it. song's been registered and, and like you were pretty close to using it, how can you really stop a guy from taking a riff back? That kind of right. stuff. Or you have a guy in a band, he's going to do a solo record. The rest of the band gets mad that he used the riff that they wanted him to use for the band. And, you know, if you start. To- if you start suing over that stuff, bands would break up within six months every time. So sure. this leads to the what we start the the, the actual question was would you asking would this like hard school uh, double a you know single would that be the last thing that they do together because it seems like a compromise both tracks absurd is more Axel uh, hard school is more slash but they kind of put in the middle getting like these two sides of the equation like fucking each other. And that's interesting, but is that a one-off? And then they're going to go in and do an album, which is like some kind of hard rock, uh, you know, like a, a just a basic hard rock VR album, where they bring in songs from VR and then, or is this this is Axel's still Axel's band, and this is the final kind of creative process that they're going through, where they mix old and new. I think Randy said. The sound of the future and the past colliding in the present. <laughs> yeah, I, on the if, I mean, you ask, is it Axel's band? Yeah, I still think it's Axel's band. I think one of the reasons why he spent so long in the studio, long after they had enough songs for Chinese and he kept working and kept working, I think he wanted to get several albums worth of stuff because singing what he sings is not easy. And why not while he was still young? Get that stuff on tape. I don't expect much, if any, like 2016 onward freshly recorded vocals to appear anytime soon. I think he very deliberately wanted to get at least a few albums worth of material 
done in 99 or 2000 or whatever while his voice was in that shape. So when he was 60, he could still, let's go into the vault and grab the vocals from when I was 30, whatever. Sure. Yeah. And he's he's kind of suggested that CD2 was done, as in there must be like 14 vocal tracks. Uh, you know, yeah, I mean, there was know, definitely a record ready to go years ago. Yeah. So I don't know what suggest. it's morphed into now. Well, I think it's just all these, I think, right, the locker room stuff. Uh, the locker sessions, that's they're all from two th- uh, two th- zeros, 2000. Yeah. That's a long time for Axel. Not to never... mention all the stuff that they started working on when Richard came in. Because Axel mentioned an interview once before Chinese came out, and maybe some nerd out there will remember what outlet it was from, talking about all the great stuff they had written with Richard, but that that was all going to be on the record after Chinese. And that was like maybe 04 when he said that. So... Everything post locker, there's got to be this giant chunk of stuff with Richard that yeah, we don't even know about yet. Because Fortis was the one who he was saying that he was working on a slash, or you know, the slash origin riff that was before right. hard school really leaked. In yeah. so uh, over time, you start to think, was it is Jackie Chan is Jackie Chan is hard school, right? Like they wrote what? this song for Jackie Chan. What do you mean the, the slash origin riff? What, what do you mean when you say uh, that? Fortress, Fortress came out. You know, he used to come out and say we're working on stuff. And yes. Then, and this was before. This was before the reunion, and the, and the the you kind of felt. I think the new guns were still together, and then CD two. you kind of starting to think that maybe it's going to come out. Axel was gone, Kimmel and things like that. It was around that time, maybe a year or two before. But Fortress, Fortress was saying that you know we worked on just like Tommy said. He said that we worked on stuff, you know, we worked on, we've been working on stuff that the, that the old band members did. And he was saying that I worked on a, a, a song of the day, which had a, a riff that originated from Slash. So I assume that's hard school. I'm not sure though. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It, it could very well be because this song originates to, to, to way back before they broke up. Right. I mean, just like you said, it was rumored to be on a, a Jackie Chan movie, right? That's why the the running name yeah. was Jackie Chan, right? Yeah, uh, I don't I don't know if these are all these things are confirmed, but this is what I I thought is that it's Jackie Chan, and then Bill, can you just confirm it? Uh, yeah, I, I believe uh, I believe that is the case. Uh, Joe, is that, am I correct in that? Didn't I say that? I, I think you should just confirm every single thing we've said on this discussion. You know what? I'm, you know what? Listen, I got to go talk to my friend who's a clown real quick, okay? okay. He's going to drink go some ahead. orange soda, and he's going to tell me about, what Can we talk about him briefly? We can always talk about him. What have, what have you been hearing from him? I don't give a shit. You kids can go wild. Joe, I don't know why you'd want to talk about him being, you know, just Joe from Nashville, but go for it. I, I've, ne- I've never talked to him. Have, have you talked to him lately or no? Uh, I talked to him via text uh, last week, a few days ago. And what was he saying? Uh, we were talking about, sorry that he missed being able to be on the fat cast, that he had to work. And then we were oh, talking about the on Celtics. Point? Yeah. And then uh, we were talking about the Celtics and uh, how uh, a Jalen Brown trade would work. And uh, 
what the fuck the Lakers are getting everyone because we, he's a huge Celtics fan too. It's pretty much what we usually talk. Because I, I would know. just now that we know the track list for the EP that's coming out in February, I would love to know his thoughts on it. Oh yeah, I mean fuck. Hold on. Well, see if he's busy right now. You guys want to continue a conversation? I'm gonna maybe add another person to the chat. Well, well, wasted. Was it you or was it liars uh, that brought up that those two live tracks might be that a teaser me. for a future? Not in this lifetime album. Well, the idea is that the idea I got from Red Hook's post is that he 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 posted the Red Hook posted the fact that there's you know there's Chinese Democracy Two that's what he called it and Not in This Lifetime Live. They've got they've got that done. So those two tracks, Don't Cry and uh, You're Crazy, live tracks are from that Not in This Lifetime. So they're basically promoting two records, and then maybe interesting. Maybe the marketing, I don't know, the, the, Axel's quote on stage was he doesn't know anything about digital, but he doesn't know how to promote stuff or something like that. So have, have they just gone to like a, you know, a marketing company and, and they're handling all this stuff? How do you promote these songs or how do you promote an, this album? And they've, they've d- decided that, you know, they can promote, so they can get seven years of singles and EPs out of this mis- uh, material. Well, and also Fernando mentioned on Reddit, uh, releases are being slotted, uh, releases being plural. So that's, that's good. That, that's I mean, good that's, that's pretty encouraging to me, right? So you have to think a user illusion box set is coming next year. A not in this lifetime live release of some sort would make sense at some point. Yeah, but a new are they album splitting up those things? Are they splitting up? Like, are they like breaking down CD2, taking a couple of songs every year and a couple of songs from the live album? putting them into a CD single. And then every year you get this kind of jolt of excitement where you get two new singles and you get two live tracks, which are kind of padding out the. In all reality. Gentlemen, gentlemen, I'm sorry. I got to use my host powers interrupt here real quick. Uh, Wasted. You said CD single. So if they could put it out as a CD uh, single, um, what would you do before you had CDs? How would you release uh, music? What would you call it? A uh, tape? A 12-inch. Uh, the 12-inch records used to have four tracks or a tape. Okay, but uh, did they have did they have things called cassettes at one point? Yeah, like I bought the... So, U, so U, at one U, point U, or another, mine. when they used to release things like this, they used to call it cassette singles? Yeah, but there's normally... Okay, well, I just wanted to... I just wasted... I'm sorry, sometimes I get confused. So when they used to release things like they're releasing right now, they used to call them cassette singles back in the day. Because, you know, you're my music historian. Well, a single would have only had one track on each side. If it had two yeah, tracks right. on each side, it'd be a EP. Right. Yeah, and but I'm just saying that's what maybe things change. You know, just saying. But it wasn't it wasn't common in my record buying. Like I I bought like the Therapy, Pleasure, Death EP, and it was like six songs on a tape. But then, if you want, normally you'd have to buy a 12 inch record to get four tracks. I wouldn't buy it. If you bought, like I bought Don't Cry tape and You Could Be Mine uh, tape, and that would, I think Don't Cry had like both versions of Don't Cry on there. <laughs> yeah, the alt, the alt lyrics are on side B because I've, I've yeah. got that because single still. Yeah, and the You Could Be Mine one, I, did it have? It's just Civil War on the B side. That's right. That's right. One, yeah. of them, one of them had Live and Let Die live or something. That was the Live and Let Die cause single, had Live and Let Die live from the MTV Awards on side B. Okay, yeah, but they weren't normally four tracks, as I remember. Uh, no, the singles is, were right? two because they were also priced cheaper. So 
Uh, I don't know how things were over in Europe, but here in the States, suggest, and like during Guns N' Roses' big run, suggested price on a single was 350 and you got two songs on a tape. If you did like four songs on a CD single or something like that, it was like 750. And, and this hard school release seems to be like playing into that kind of nostalgia for that time. Like it's, it's nineties fans. They, they understand these formats. Like they used to have a relationship with, you know, uh, CD tapes, you know, I mean, um, tape singles or whatever. So. And like as ridiculously as the vinyl and cassette are priced, the CD at 598, it's a pretty good deal. That's a that's a pretty good deal. Like uh, you know, most of the, I couldn't tell you the last time an EP was only five ninety eight. It's been a long time. So they actually priced it like in an, in an old school kind of way. Yeah. yeah. So it seems like there's going to be a, a succession of these. See, like Fernando says, there's a slots booked for more of these EPs. I mean, I singles. I don't know that at all. It could be. I have no idea. If you like. Know that from somewhere? I'll take your word no, for no. it. But I don't know. I, I'm just. I would. I would be surprised if they did a series of these, or if they never did it again. Like <laughs> that's Guns and Roses for you. Yeah, yeah. No, that's what I was wondering if this, if this was like the last. You know, at some point I thought, is this, you know, hard school and observed? Is this like their kind of compromise? And this is the last time Axel will deal with CD material. I I don't think so. I I. Uh... There was supposed to be an EP a couple years ago to promote the touring in 2019. Because 2019, like, they've retroactively grouped it in with Not In This Lifetime. But at the time, it was not supposed to be Not In This Lifetime. And they were going to put out, you know, a little bit of new material, probably the same amount that we just got now. Uh, and I think those locker leaks kind of messed up the plans. And, you know, let's recalibrate a little bit because all this stuff just leaked. Uh, so we probably would have gotten the EP last year and then COVID hits and all the touring's canceled. So like the timing of this EP might not be what they originally intended, but it's just kind of how it worked out. And, and this, everybody's going to get their stuff in February. So that will kickstart next year when everybody receives their merch from the hard school singles, right. then you, there'll be tickets to buy for tours. Except the, the, the seven-inch vinyl single isn't being shipped until June of next the year. end of June. Yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. Which yeah. is not a good. That to me, it seems like this. This is either a bad thing. Like they're just not going to release anything until June. You know, until after June next year. Or it's you know, uh, it's almost like these releases are just like I said, merch, and they're just going into the into the into the warehouse. And you can get them if you want. There's no real time allotted to it. You know. Do you think that live absurd is from a live album that we'll get at some point? Could it have been just from Red Sox, the Red Sox Stadium show, or the first time they played it, or something? Well, Red Sox are also owned by uh, a TV company. John Warner, I'm sorry, Tom Henry and John Warner. Fuck, I just fucked it up. John Henry and Tom Warner. Uh, they own uh, Nesson, but they also uh, own the Red Sox. So they have a like TV company that films all the Red Sox games already like, on site for every fucking game and every you know event that happens. So if you go see any big concert there, they usually have those types of cameras. Interesting. Yeah. 
I noticed that because I went to Foo Fighters there and the same types of cameras were there. It's just something like the shit's in-house. I know they brought in some special camera people to do their uh, filming for, you know, Guns N' Roses themselves. But the rest of those big-ass cameras that look like they could do the same filming, yeah, they're there for every big concert, man. I think they use those for house cams. So it's possible it came from there. Or just they recorded a show, like, around this time. Oh, I think it was used as a, like, a thing where they got a discount for the fucking company that did it for them if they could use it as an advertising thing. Because they have it up on their company's website. The, uh... London Acoustic. Am I saying that right, guys? Is that the right name? I don't know. London, I don't know. No, motherfucking. J- Joe, do you know? But the no. Okay, so but there's a. All right, I'm gonna go look this shit up, and I'll get back to you boys on that. Now, GNR Liars, I really interrupted you about three or four minutes ago. Creative Works. Fucking my my producer from the heavens drops down. So yes, it's at the Creative Works. Why website. is he not allowed to talk? He, he's allowed to talk anytime he fucking wants to talk. Bring him on. Bring him on. He, Unlock the chains. Get him out of the dungeon. He's not let in him, chains. He can talk anytime he wants. For the first Bring time. out the game. No. Jesus Christ. Get him some suntan lotion. I know he's never been exposed to the sun before. Brush his hair. Get him up here. <laughs> I, got, I got nothing. When a guest, you know, comes on and requests, you know, Tao, you got to say something. You've got to watch out for Tao. He'll steal your identity. Oh, no, that's Madeline. (laughs) (laughs) What's up? There you go. How are you doing? I'm doing good, yeah. Good, man. This is your show? You're in charge? Well, I edit the shows. Have you still only heard Hard School on YouTube? No. I bought the flak. Oh, you bought the you bought the flak. Amazon sells flak where you live. I think so. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you bought it, it it means they do, right? Yeah. Uh, Do you only have one word answers? (laughs) All right. Now I know why you don't let them talk. This show is dying. Go back to the dungeon. I, I let him speak anytime he wants. I mean, he just doesn't speak. You know, usually what he'll say is, you're a fucking cunt, and then he'll just stop. I mean, like, he gets his opinion across in few words. Oh. Not a few words. Yeah, I mean, so GNR Lies, we've kind of yeah. talked right now what we're thinking, what's going on. I mean, dude, I interrupted you like a complete asshole right before uh, I got interrupted. Uh <laughs> <laughs> wanted uh, wanted, wanted uh, to see what I interrupted you on so you could continue, sir. Um, we can circle back if you want. I just wanted to touch on something Joe said um, about um, about what uh, how other bands go back into the vault all the time and and regurgitate old stuff and put it out as and present it as new. I mean, um, most notably and. Probably most recently, um, uh, Van Halen's latest album, uh, uh, "A Different Kind of Truth." I mean, there was nothing new on that album, right? It was it was all um, old demos from 
you know, when uh, David Lee Roth was in the band before Sammy Hagar, right? So there was nothing new on that album. They just redid it and reworked it. And um, secondly, um, Aerosmith on their latest album, mind you, it's been a few years since they released that now, but um, Music from Another Dimension, um, you know, three quarters of that stuff was also um, old stuff that, that, from what I understood, at least, it was old stuff that they had in quote-unquote the vault, right? So um, it, it's it's not uncommon. It just seems to be a little more magnified in the Guns N' Roses world. Well, but it's magnified for a few reasons. Because number one, um, I think if Axel could go back in time, and the band and the label and everyone, they should not have revealed so much about the album so long before it was coming out. And even if they want to say, oh, well, we really thought it was going to come out at the end of 2002. Well, why in 99 are there, you know, 12 song titles in a magazine? Like, they really should have kept their mouth shut because now I definitely believe when they put out Chinese or when they put out Silkworms or stuff that might be on the next album, they're forced to change the names of songs to try to make them seem like they've never been heard of before. And they had to do all this weird dancing around, but if they had just kept their mouth shut until it was time to promote the album, they wouldn't have had to do any of that. Um, so Agreed. maybe this silence that we get from them is kind of an overreaction from what happened in the past of talking too much, and now they just say nothing. I mean, it could be. Um, you know, if going back even to 1999, um, sure their popularity was in the decline, but, you know, it, they were still... Guns and Roses, and there was still so much. Like, do you remember that time? There was still so much mystery about it, right? And it was it was a big news ticket back then um, to get any info that you could on on the new Guns and Roses because Slash had gone, um, Izzy had gone, or Izzy had been long gone, but uh, Duff had gone, and you know Matt was gone. It was a whole new band except for Axel. It was it was it, it was still interesting, right? So I think people were, were digging and digging and digging, like reporters and, and, and whatnot were digging, trying to find anything they could. So maybe they were. Maybe they, they overplayed their hand, like you said, for sure, just to maybe shut people up. But it, it backfired, and, and the repercussions are, are still being felt to this day. Yeah, I think Duff has mentioned, uh, said in an interview, that he, they're trying to he, – that he's aware that they're trying to uh, – Remain, uh, keep the mystique. Like he's he's acknowledged that they that, that they do that. That's sometimes why they don't they don't talk. And uh, yeah, and uh, you know Dean Delray, his podcast, he sort of seems to know Duff. And when I was listening to them them have an interview, they talked quite a lot about that. Like that's what Dean Delray is always talking about the mystique of Guns N' Roses. And Duff was kind of agrees is that it's sort of like the Sex Pistols. Like the less you do, the more the more they want it type thing well and, and not that i got to live it but I'll, I'll hear stories from you know you'll talk to older cats at a record store or something all these burned out guys from the 60s and um of what it was like before mtv before the internet where you had no idea what the band even looked like unless you had seen them in concert you had no idea what they had to say like the lyrics in the record jacket that was their message to you, and that's all there was, was the record, or, you know, you they came to your town every once in a while, and you that's how you found out what they looked like, and 
if they spoke a couple words between songs, you could try to learn what their vibe was about in some way. So is Guns N' Roses a throwback to that a little bit? Um, sure, I think, they, this, I think they like that idea, yeah. In this internet age of infinite information, they are the only band we can't get any information on. Well, like man, kind of... they, it's, I remember the anticip- anticipation for User Illusion. I was in high school, and I used to go home. There was a there was a segment on the radio like there was no internet back then right so there was a well segment. there was I mean I I it was its infancy I, it was yeah I mean I was you would go like on news groups and maybe someone would type up That's a right. magazine that came out in their country and they would type yeah. it up for you and you could download it off a news group like shit like that but it was very primitive there was there, I would rush home from school. Because at four o'clock on the radio, on the local radio station, there was a segment called Rock and Roll News. And they would update everything that's going on in the rock world with all your favorite bands and stuff, right? And I would go home every day just just to see if Guns N' Roses would be mentioned about User Illusion. And finally, one day it was. And I was so excited because they were going to play two new songs. And, and, I got all excited and I sat down and I listened to the song and I remember they played You Could Be Mine because Terminator was big and they played Locomotive. Those were the two songs they played. Whoa. Okay. So this was how far in advance of the album being in stores? Probably like days, probably. Oh, days. Okay. Yeah. It wasn't, it was, it was right around the corner. Right. Um, like, sorry, I, I kind of missed, I missed my stories up there. It had already been said that, that, um, the albums were going to be released, but I still rushed home to listen to see if, because there was a lot of, lot of news swirling around Guns N' Roses. So they must, could- they must have had an advance of the record, right? Cause Locomotive, I, I don't think that was ever sent to radio. Um, that's the song they played. Um, yeah. So they must have just had an advanced copy and had the whole record. I don't, that's interesting that they chose that song. It was, and I always remembered it because they said this song is it's a longer song, blah 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 blah. But uh, you know, this is this is the new Guns N' Roses song, and and I was like, wow, this it's it's really different, right? Like, of course, you could be mine was you could be mine, but then Locomotive was like, wow, it's really different, but it's really fucking cool, right? And so it, it just goes to, to to what you were saying about. Um, the mystique around the band, I mean, maybe they are. Maybe they are a throwback, and maybe that's what they're doing, right? Well, well I they mean, were kind of you... built on the um, – they were built through the media, weren't they? Where sure. it was, everything was, like, behind the curtain, and then you'd follow these news stories that Niven, Niven said later that all these stories, like Axel killed my poodle, and he was the one planting these stories with the media to create this image – and then, you know, I was, you know, the Mick Wall interview where, you know, Axel did an interview with him and Mick Wall, they got in an argument about what had actually been said or whatever. Like, I was following all that in Kerrang, like, every two weeks. So, it was, to me, it was like a, waiting for Usual Illusion was like a soap opera with, you know, Slash yeah. driving around in his tinted window Jeep with heroin in the back. And then next week, it would be Duff, you know, an article because they would just, like, somehow secure interviews with them. Like around, you know, Hollywood, it's quite hard to get hold of them. But when they did, they would do these huge pieces on them. So it's all through. The, it's like the old way of doing it. And that that is kind of like a mystery. It's not all access all the time, like reality TV stuff. It's just these stories. And then later they say that none of this happened. So you never knew what was going on. You know, right. and then you take 
tape the single. I used to tape the singles off the radio. Off the radio, yeah, I did that too. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That was great. Do you guys think Chinese Democracy in some ways was like the last ever big rock album release in the sense of we probably all have stories growing up and our parents and grandparents, bands they grew up with, they could tell you, you know, this record came out. It was such a big cultural moment. Uh, you know, it takes over the radio and all these kinds of things. I always think about the fact that when Chinese Democracy came out, I was in Chicago for uh, Smashing Pumpkins 20th anniversary shows. And so I wasn't familiar with the town at all. And the day Chinese came out, and maybe even the night before, the local radio station literally was playing every song off the record. And I can remember when the Usual Illusions came out as a kid, the local rock station did that same thing. And if an album was that big, they would just play, like, everything. They fucked the single. We're just going to play everything on the album all day long. There's never been an album since Chinese Democracy, at least a rock album, where they've done that. And I don't think there ever will be again. Like that kind of moment on one rock record, I, I feel like it's the last one ever that has that kind of feeling to it. There it was, won't be. It was kind of I don't crazy because be. I was in, I was in, I w- I've had to fly from China to Hong Kong to buy, actually buy the record, and it came out like a de- the Chinese democracy. It came out like a day before, like the night before, uh, in the Hong Kong records record stores, like HMV or something. And and I thought that like maybe I was like the only person like in China or in Hong Kong who actually would buy it or something. But when I walked into the shop, this is in like Hong Kong, they were play they were playing that Best Buy, like uh, I think it was a, it was a Best Buy in Hong Kong. I can't remember now. But they were playing that the, the the trilogy of songs, you know, Chinese Democracy, If the If the World, and There Was a Time. And as I walked through the door, Chinese Democracy intro started. <laughs> so I was queuing to get this album and I got it. And then I was like in Victoria Park, which is a big park in Hong Kong. And I like took some pictures of the record and then I went home and I, I was what I was turned on the TV and I was watching like football, like premiership football. And along the banners on the side, it had like huge adverts. This is a UK football match, which has been broadcast internationally. It had UK, it had Best Buy, Chinese democracy, you know, is officially you know officially released or something like that running along those billboards with like sharp and nike so that's yeah, how big I, the release was it i can was remember huge. being in, in the hotel in chicago the week of the album because i was going to like two or three pumpkin shows so i was there for a while and i saw like you know chinese democracy tv commercials on cable in the hotel i couldn't name you one album since then that i saw actual commercials on television um, like there, there's so many things about that record that we will never, ever have again on a rock record. Like it's a last of its kind that you would invest that amount of money in the marketing. And, and it was, uh, going through all the songs, wasn't it? Like scraped, catcher in the rye, yep, Chinese yep. democracy, all of them were getting like, there was like 10 singles on this album. It was like uh, releasing all the singles at once. That's why I think now they're going to, they've learned from last time. This time they're going to release all the singles separately. <laughs> but it is like the, it's like a CD is actually like a summation of rock history. It's like every single genre is, is on there from rock history. Almost every genre. I can't and I think feel like hard school is like 
the way that Chinese is like all of rock history on one album, I feel like yeah. Hard School is all of GNR history on one song, if that makes I sense. I could agree yeah. with that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's what it felt like. Uh, like I, I wrote, I think on the forum, I said it's like a, I, the first time I listened to it, it was like a haunted house. Because as we were going down, it, firstly, it was It's So Easy popped out. And it was like, what the fuck? And then, and then I got, you know, turned the corner in the car and something else jumped out. It was like Slash. There was a Slash riff or something that sounded like something off his solo album. And then it was like the solo, which is like a- Appetite. And then the verses were sounding like Appetite. And then there was like this, you know, in It's So Easy where it slows down. It even has a part, you know, the Hey Hey's from uh, Eye on You. That part there is like the fade into the night from it's so easy so it's basically right, yeah. like a, it's so easy from the future right it's like what is you know and it's like a, it's almost like a tribute to afd it's like a tribute song i wonder if it's a one-off or are they always going to throw and they threw cowbell in too they did you know i i i didn't hear the cowbell the first time um I was in my work truck, whatever, and I, I didn't hear the cowbell until I got home. I played it for for my neighbor. I was like, "Hey, you got to hear Guns N' Roses' new song." And then, yeah, the cowbell kicked in. I was like, "Holy shit, man! I didn't hear that before." Yeah. yeah so, Are we in favor of cowbell here, boys? Do we need more cowbell? That song needs more. Cowbell. It's the only thing I'd change. It needs more <laughs> cowbell. Yeah, it needs oh, more yeah. cowbell. I don't know if I'm like I'm sort of like you know thinking about it too much. But it, it almost seems like it seems like Axel's just cucking. He's sort of like cucking the fans or cucking Slash again by making them. You know, this is what you want. You want the AFD. Here's a, like a parody of an AFD song. I but don't know. I been... don't think it's that. I think honestly, in a way, Axel's emotionally removed of like, you know, the basis of the song was written. I've done my vocals. Like, Slash and Duff have at it, and as long as the finished thing sounds good, I'll give my thumbs up or my thumbs down. But I feel like he's given Slash and Duff a lot of leeway on these songs, and this is just yeah. the direction they've taken it. Yeah, I think that's the compromise, is that they want to do this type of stuff, but it seems like so much for the fans. that You know, the, the motifs from AFD really, like, pop. with Because I've watched some YouTube reviews, and people just say that's what people are picking out. Is it this sounds exactly like an AFD song, but it doesn't actually sound exactly like an AFD song because Slash's solo is kind of like Queens of the Stone Age. Do you know what it sounded like to me? A fucking spaghetti incident song. Just so <laughs> well, you, you hate the song, right? I, I'm, I'm not saying you know what. Uh, let's, it's not, I no, this is my definition. So that far, it was an abortion. So that, they that was original. Pulled, they, they, if you. You get geo-blocked in Texas if you go on Spotify. You can't listen to the song. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. But <laughs> listen, at, at first it sounded like an abortion, you know, performed by fucking uh, KB. But just it wasn't good, you know. So fucking now I'm looking at it more like it's not a shower, but it might be a grower. Like hearing it first from like whatever shit New Zealand leak we had, it sucked. Like it was just fucking horrible. When I heard it on YouTube, I went, eh, it's not too bad. It just sounds like a shit spaghetti incident song. Have, have you heard a real quality version yet or no? I've heard the YouTube version. I mean, I'm exactly known as uh, White Trash Fabulous. I'll have you know. I'm upper, uh, lower blue collar. You might have to spend the dollar twenty nine to get the get the wave. Fuck yeah, it. it came on. It came on my Apple Music like like Observed did. It just popped up on Apple Music. So, but that okay, that makes sense then. That first. It, the first time I listened to it was that was the Aust- Australian or New Zealand leak. 
that was the haunted house version because somehow all those bits stuck out all those uh, <laughs> motifs stuck out even more right yeah so that's we're, what happened we're and then the I put Oh, well, the, the bass and the cowbell and everything was like very, there wasn't, somehow it wasn't, I thought it was me being like having some kind of weird trip with the song. And then I listened to it on my phone, like just through the phone speaker and everything seemed flatter and calmer and more and more together. It didn't seem as weak. The first time I listened to it, the verses sounded like, like undercooked or something. There was something really off with that version. Hey, not to interrupt here, but hey, Joe. Have you ever seen Apocalypse Now, the film? I have not. Oh, Jesus. Uh, Gina or Lars, have you ever seen Apocalypse Now? Of course. Okay. Do you know what Wasted is to me? He's my fucking Dennis Hopper. You fucking come <laughs> onto my island and Wasted is just giving you the tour. He's out there with a cigarette telling you, <laughs> Colonel Kurtz is a great man. I'm sorry it had to interrupt, but the fucking, it just hit me and I had to go for it. You I can see it. You can't go to the moon on a, on a fraction. You can't go to the moon on CD2. Are you sure? Like, what are we thinking now in general, though? Because, I mean, it sounds like, to me, they copy and paste it. I mean, the fact that they don't even have, like, Axel's vocals on the correct, like, volume level as the rest of the song is a little weird. It just doesn't sound right at all. It sounds like Karam went into the studio, went in with a pair of scissors and got told, hey, do you know those little mix-ups they make on YouTube? Can you mash this song up? But it sounds good. It sounds great on speakers. Because it lulls you into a false sense of security, and then when Axel does go full rasp, it it like pops out of the pops out of the speakers, doesn't it? That's why you're my fucking GNR spirit animal. But on the headphones, it kind of like it's very much it's more noticeable. So I think it was built, I think it was made to be played like, and also somebody put up that um, picture, two pictures of the waveform or something. And on uh, hard school is a top band, high frequency and low band. And then Chinese democracy is all in the middle. And like, that's how Slash, Slash has always said, if you put too much stuff in the song, it, it, it shrinks it down. But if you, if you have like big drums and big guitars and big vocals, keep it simple, then it, it sounds bigger than it is like Kiss. So I so think I, if you I've, play it through I, speakers, it's going to, it will sound really loud through speakers. I've got Hard School opened up. This is the the CD quality wave that I bought on Kobuk or whatever that weird download site is. So I've got this open Audacity right now, and the song is pretty much like almost a hundred percent maxed out at all times. There's not really a lot of a uh, leeway here. They just they just blew the song out basically ninety nine percent of the time. And Chinese Democracy was known for having a lot of dynamic range, and that that is out the window now. Which, by the way, Appetite for Distortion, all you rest of motherfucking podcast. I mean, come on, guys. You've talked GNR nerd talk tonight. We're breaking out GNR porn nerd talk. The best GNR nerd talk you can fucking find with Joe, who's just an average Joe, and fucking my guy over here wasted, and GNR liars chiming in with a boomer opinion. So, guys, what we... Well, <laughs> thanks. On that one? You'll take it? Sure. Okay. Add a fucking boy. You'll get me when we're talking ghost stories later. Uh, <laughs> So, Joe, I got to know, like, yeah. when you listen to Hard School now, you said you listened to it for a couple hours in a row. The day I mean, it came out, I listened eight hours in a row to the Australian League, and then I got home at three in the morning that night, bought the wave of, like, the final version, listened to that till like, six in the morning, and then, you know, it's been a few days since then, 
or a couple days since then. I don't know. I've listened to the song hundreds of times. I can't stop. You don't notice the difference in like Axel's voice and the level of the band, like the instrumentals, like just oh, that they don't same fit? thing on Absurd. A lot of the time, Axel, yeah, is low in the mix. Okay. I don't know if that's again some deference to Slash and Duff to really let them shine, since they're going to come into this band and potentially just do a bunch of Axel's old stuff. Um, I I don't know. Yeah. I think so. It's, it could be. Like, it could be um, also Axel. And this might play into if we never get a full album. We know that Axel is like terrified of the reaction to releases. Almost every Guns N' Roses release ever, he's tried to cancel or delay. And so maybe he's just being very hands-off. I did my vocals 20 years ago. Karim, I trust you. Slash and Duff, I trust you. Just put it out. I don't want to know about it. I'll play it live at some point. But like... I don't want to be emotionally attached to the success of it. And if you don't do an album, you don't have to worry about, well, oh, disappointing opening week charted at number 29 and only moved 50,000 units. Like this is a way around all of that anxiety. That's yeah, true. Slash and Duff have to play on the song to, to release it. So they're the ones that are basically, they're giving it their stamp of approval and Slash has done 10, you know, he's done, what is it, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. He's released eight or nine, like, these hard rock albums, which which are, you know, they're, they're assured, they're coherent releases. They're not, they're not, they're not normally disasters, and, are they? And or they, boring. They're yeah. not disasters, but, like, I don't even buy them anymore when they come out. Like, I'm yeah, not yeah. expecting any greatness from a Slash solo album at this but point. But they never get heavily criticized for being, like, no. some horrible disaster. Yeah, but this song sounded to me like a, a Slash solo song in a way. I forgot what it. The, there's one or two on the recent albums that sound a bit like this. It almost a bit like the Faces or something. It sounds a little bit like the Faces, like quite rock and roll. Uh, Do you like know what scares rock me? And roll song. Wasted, and Joe and Generalize. What scares me, gentlemen, is for any of us that have heard Atlas Shrugged, it's not a great song. Never has been a great song. I've always said it's shit. Now, can you imagine if you have to just take Axel's isolated vocals, look at Slash and Duff and go, hey, boys, <laughs> make something of this. I'm optimistic. I, th- I think Slash and Duff did such a good job with this absurd and hard school that even Atlas Shrugged as a diehard Guns N' Roses fan, diehard Chinese democracy fan, I think that song, had it been on Chinese, would have been like, you know, the ninth best song on the record or something. I just don't think it's super strong. I think Slash and Duff can make it super strong. I'm very excited to see what they would do with that song. Yeah. Zutau said it was the first single. He called it a glam rock November rain. So at some point, that was going to be the in the two, early 2000s. The Zutau record. You know Zutau? I don't know how you say it. A&R guy. He came in to help them record, didn't he? He was saying it's the first single. And yeah, yeah. It, it's a kind of to me. It's like a song. That's, it's like a magic song. It's like something that Axel's never really done before. But I don't well, think it's that. For you. It, it's not Would that you commercial. trust a guy wasted? Would you honestly trust a guy who also sells Hondas? About fucking, you know, <laughs> what, what, what happened? But it, it, it's not just him sort. though. There, for whatever reason, in the band and the label, whatever, for whatever reason, they have were like convinced that that song could be a hit. I don't see it. Um, when the EP was supposed to come out in 2019, allegedly, you know, throw whatever disclaimer you want on there. The rumor at the time was that Atlas was going to be the single for the EP. 
Atlas leaks, hard school leaks. The fans were disappointed by Atlas. The fans loved hard school. So what do you know? Suddenly hard school becomes the single and Atlas is still nowhere to be found. But I don't know why for so long people in the industry or whatever thought Atlas had this great potential. When that thing leaked, all the fans were like, eh, it was okay. I think it's like, um, I mean, it's, it's kind of goes along. It, go, it fits in. It's a similar song to Catcher. Yeah. But yeah, it's not quite as uh, commercial or catchy or something. But I think it's 70s rock guys like like Oh, that, that song. makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I hate it, 70s rock. Yeah, it's kind of, it's like it has a 70s thing. But there's no real big chorus or anything. You know, Sorry is a better single. Or even If the World is a more commercial single than that. Like, I like, I really like the song because there's something about it that only Axel can do. Uh, it's not necessarily the chorus, it's like the bridge. Um, but what we, what I was talking about on the forum with somebody is that it's possible. I think it was Rand, uh, Randy. He was saying that is hard school and observe are they just a way to trick the fans into thinking this new album is going to be, uh, you know, all slash, and then Axel is going to come through like you know on tracks six to twelve or seven to fourteen. Is he then going to start using the bucket instrumentals? Will Slash just because I think Slash is just going to put a solo on Atlas, like Ron put a solo on Atlas. There's a finished version with Ron solo on it. So is Slash just going to he's Slash is going to pick like he, like Slash picked Chinese Democracy and Better to really like rework. I don't know if he's done them all, but he did Better and uh, and then but he just added a solo to this uh, this I love. So maybe on some of them he's just going to add solos. And then there might be an orchestra track that Axel has, which doesn't need anything, like um, Soul Monster. Maybe that's finished with Axel vocals, and Slash doesn't need to. You know, you put that on the end of the album, nobody's going to care that it's not a, a completely re-recorded album. So it might not be all re completely re-recorded, right? I mean... No one can know for sure, I guess, is the best way to say. I mean, it's hard to know this day and age. It's with them not – COVID really fucked up a lot of shit, man, because even with them touring now, they're not as um, fan-friendly and they're not as friendly with other people who talk more than people around the band. So it's hard to really get an idea of what's going on. Cause, that's, you know, an, that's an interesting theory on the lack of info that they're – they're not supposed to hang out with anyone. I was shocked that Axel hung out with that girl that talked about hard school because a yeah. lot of big bands on tour just have a very strict – they won't even see their family, let alone fans or anything. Yeah. I don't know if that's like a friend of his that he's known. Like I don't want to speculate or say he broke any protocols. I don't know that, but it just surprised me. Um, but, yeah, there's less people around. It's harder for rumors to spread. And so I, I do think heading into this next year we're going to have a – we're not going to have a clear idea of what's coming next other than maybe a user illusion thing. Oh, uh, we have no like they, they've really oh, closed the ship up. Oh, it's done. I mean, basically right now, if you're expecting any more info that's not directly from the Syrian uh, government, you're uh, you're out of your mind because uh, it's just not out there. And anyone's telling well, you it is, they're full of shit. When I heard the, the, the high school CD singles come out in February and I thought, like, so why did they release the digital one today? you know, like this week. It's like six months early or something. And I thought, did it leak? And then they just got ahead of it. So when Axel talked to that girl, 
she then leaked it and then everybody and then somebody may have as soon as it ships goes to the record company somebody just puts it online so did they suddenly realize oh it's going to leak we need to get ahead of it so then they officially released it as digital that's possible another possibility is that the amount of cds and cassettes that they press will be based on the amount of pre-orders they get and that like yeah. really absurd and hard score just meant to be a digital thing. That's how most people get their music now. And then that for the longtime sense, fans yeah. that want physical, like not a print to order, but kind of like, let's find out how many we should bother making. Cause it's not in stores, right? It's only on their website. So look at the um, brand on Joe. Joe's over here telling us that they might have a manager that went to business school that knows how to run a bottom line that's going to show more gross profit from Guns N' Roses as a tour manager than, uh, you know, any other can tour we, manager in the last few ab- decades. Can we saying? talk about that Reddit thread that Fernando's been posting in? I don't give I'm, a fuck. Go right ahead. Okay, so for people listening that don't know about this, a fan goes on Reddit, and I use the term fan loosely because they're really a hater, and they say that Team Brazil should step down and resign. Uh, they don't really give many reasons for why, but... Um, does anyone not remember what it was like when every tour would get delayed, the first six shows would get canceled, there would be a riot, Axel wouldn't show up until one in the morning, every six months another band member quits, you know, they were down to playing theaters at the end and having to go to Vegas and play for 2,000 people, and Fernando comes in and makes them the biggest band in the world again, and say what you want for a band of their age, and for hard school to get the amount of press that it got, for absurd to get the amount of press that it got. Like, things are working. The band is doing well. Axel is on time. Axel is smiling. Like, I feel like there's a new generation of fans that did not have to live through the desert years when there was nothing going on. Um, the idea that Fernando should step down, I think, is ridiculous. You don't have to like him. But there's no doubt, since he took over, the band is so much more successful. No other manager was able to get a reunion. He made it happen. Maybe a young guy that just loved Guns N' Roses with a fresh set of eyes and no baggage. Maybe he was the guy to take the band into the future. Like, hey, why? Joe, I'm yeah. not trying to be rude here and interrupt, but you know, I got I got to tell everyone a secret. Now, I don't lie to my audience. Yeah. Do you know the one thing that uh, Fernando had that the rest of the managers didn't have? Do you want to know the honest to god truth? Sure. His mom's enchilada recipe. I mean, he fucking had access to it, buddy. He knew where it was. He knew it was stored. Anytime Axel wanted beers enchiladas, it could fucking happen. Well, I, I traded a pair of guitar strings for that recipe years ago. Well, I, I think Axel's. Mm-hmm. I mean, Axel has said they've said that the the main problem with all the 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 real industry managers coming in was that they wanted to rush rush CD out and then just get a reunion tour done before Axel had really finished CD. So they were always pressuring him, like what Azov did. You know, let's just get CD out, and now you're going to do a, a reunion tour with Slash. That's the thing that pissed that's Axel off, and that's Azov why he would go AWOL. But by the time Fernando Azov came really in, they were working on Chinese democracy for over a decade. So I don't think there there was a big rush to get it out. I mean, it had been there had been millions upon millions of dollars sunk into this project already. Azov was, yeah, let's put it out. Like you've you've had. Um, the, the, at that yes. time, though, the industry, I mean, the record company had like stopped funding CD. They were basically just well, washed yeah. their hands of it. 
Absolutely, the deal, because they put yeah. so much money into it already, and it would it it, it hadn't come out for. Yeah, like, he's still but working on it. I I, I don't. This know. was the. So, I'm not saying that this was but, the. Uh, this was a rational complaint, but it seemed to be the case that every new manager that came in, especially the last guy that came in, what they really wanted to do was get the reunion money. Yeah, they wanted to get the reunion money. They had no. They didn't care about. Axel's project or album it was just like yeah put it out and then get get back together with Slash for the tour those type of ideas whereas what they were saying is that uh, Fernando I mean I don't think he's even like a rock fan I'm not sure he, he, he like he likes Axel but he doesn't care that much about it he didn't care that much about the industry or the history of Guns N' Roses maybe he didn't even know but they weren't pushing him to you know they were happy for him to tour and give them money and and they would rather be in that position. So Axel was telling them what to do instead of some industry guy coming in with a, a hidden agenda or some kind of way of doing things which would push Axel. As soon as you pushed him, he basically said, I'm not doing anything. I think that's part of it. It's just having somebody just say, no, we're not going to do anything. We'll just do what you say. But, but they, they did they did nothing for over a decade. I, I'm sorry. I'm going to disagree with you on this. I, I don't. I don't buy that. I mean, he's a classic procrastinator, and he didn't put out anything. And he he constantly delayed and delayed. And then you had guys, producers that would come in that wanted obviously to release the album. That that was their job when they came in was to get this album on the shelves of stores. Yeah, now, you, you mean you're going but, but back to the point... making? If you go back to the making of CD, then it gets more complicated because it's not necessarily true that it was all Axel who was holding up the album. The, no, I don't the, think uh, it was. The, the record company no, was also was. playing its part. I mean, all right, wasted. Let's hear what Joe was going to say real quick. Well, just, Joe, what was your team, opinion? Team Brazil doesn't actually become management until like 2012 because the 2011 tour was part of the lawsuit settlement with Azov. I believe Peter Katsis was the actual manager during that tour. Um, you know, when they did the Axel didn't know he was going to be filmed by VH1 Classic, and they did that whole special down in Miami, and they had to film it in the middle of the night, and all that stuff is pre-Team Brazil being managers. Uh, Fernando doesn't take over until 2012-ish, and so if you look at what's been done in that span of time to repair so the ba- well, well so okay, nine nine years. Uh, you lose a COVID year, and in that time, you have one of the biggest reunions of all time. Yes, um, you repair the relationship with Universal so that they put out the Appetite box set, they put greatest hits out on vinyl. We've gotten this hard school thing now. We know a user illusion box is being worked on. There's more releases slotted for the future, as Fernando said. Like he repaired a lot of damage. Whatever it took to get Axel Slash and Duff on the same page, whatever it took to get Axel and Universal on the same page, to do all these stadium tours, like he got it done. It's one thing if you could say anybody could do it, but he's the one that did it. Nobody else could. So how could you argue like if the band is this successful, that fan on Reddit that says they should step down, I just think it's ridiculous. Like, their job is to do what Axel wants. If Axel wanted an album out, they would go do it. The idea that we would end up with more if they were gone, I don't believe. I think the band would fall apart and Axel would retire. Like, in terms of actually the band not dying and breaking up and us getting more music and the music we just got, 
Uh, all hail Fernando, as hard as that is to say. I think Axel is also doing it for the family. Like Fernando's had a kid. You know, he has got the, 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 those people. Uh, they're the they're his family. Just as Slash has his like family, and Duff has their family, and they need the money because they're such huge figures. They can't go and go live on Skid Row if they want to. So Axel's doing, you know, has probably come to the conclusion that, you know, he has to play ball with the reunion and things and just be be normal, because you know, even if it doesn't suit him exactly, he's willing to do it for the, his family and his lifestyle. So there's that element to it as well. And also, by the time Fernando comes in, China, the Chinese democracy nightmare was over. Like they toured it into the ground by 2011, hadn't they? And, and Axel was kind of like considering, should I go through this nightmare again or should I go back with, you know, try something else or just quit? So Fernando didn't have to fight the industry to get CD released. Right. But the first move he makes is up close and personal because the 2011 tour didn't reach expectations. There was... You know, the record hadn't done well, and there had been such this long delay between before the tour even started. Uh, I think the Up Close and Personal did a lot to repair damage with the fans. I thought that was a brilliant move. Like, let's just go play small places and get the fans, the hardcore fans buzzing. You know, I got to go see Guns N' Roses at Disney World in, like, a fucking club. Like, who would have thought that would have ever been possible, right? So... I thought that was brilliant. I thought the Vegas residencies were such a good idea. I thought the Appetite for Democracy Blu-ray was a great idea. And putting it in movie theaters in 3D. I don't know if you guys went to theaters to see it. I did. It was amazing in 3D. Um, And then when they wrap that all up, they do another Vegas residency. And then it's the reunion. Like every move he's made has worked. So uh, I would I like instead to just release 10 albums? Sure. But like (laughs) that wasn't realistic. That was the that was the main criticism though. While he was doing all this kind of uh, kind of holding holding maneuvers, where you're just building consoli- consolidating the fan base, getting everybody on side again. Uh, even the uh, Axel DC thing, that was that's a good move. I don't know who decided that, but you know, getting back with the mullet rock crowd, you know, having connection yeah. to the ACDC fan base is a good so. <laughs> So no, they've they've repaired other. a lot of damage. There's the hard Walmart shopper. <laughs> yeah, but hey, the, there's a lot of money reaching the Walmart shopper, right? So you're talking uh, to one right here, buddy. Yeah, but no, but us as hardcore Chinese democracy fans, we're allowed to be disappointed that we didn't get CD2 as quickly as we would like. But his job is for the band to do well. They're doing very well. Like I just don't think the criticism should be laid at him. If Axel had decided. Fuck everyone. I'm going to play clubs and just put out CD2. It's not like he would have stopped him, right? You know what I mean? It's not like he would have sabotaged what Axel wanted like other managers had. Um, I, I just think they're an unfair target. Yeah, and I'll say time. that even though, even though Betta hates my guts and I know that she does, I just, I'll stick Betta up for them anyways. No, she doesn't. She, yeah, she you know does. what? Listen, why don't you, her and uh, my friend, uh, listen to some Billy Joel over some $3 bottle of wine. I mean, I, would, I think he'd I be great that. for you guys. I, I would I'd love, love that. it too. But uh, guys, I mean, I want to say this might be the best GNR talk we've ever fucking had on the show. You know, we went from being I, last week with Odd, which Odd, if anyone doesn't think that you know we love Odd and we don't find him to be the alpha male of the group, 
You're out of your mind, dude. We're jealous of Odd. Odd's yeah, a but Towel, Towel really brought it this week. Towel's a fucking hero. <laughs> Towel brings it every week. Yeah. You just wait till he starts fucking cussing so us now in text. But, you know, I look at it and I say to myself, guys, we, we got a really tight show going tonight about this. One of the things that I've always kind of wanted to know everyone's opinion of was – when it comes to Chinese democracy, when it comes to appetite for destruction, use your illusions, they always have this really, really memorable song. Be it November Rain, You Could Be Mine, Welcome to the Jungle, Sweet Child of Mine. I really don't feel that Chinese democracy had that. Do you think that a new album will have that, gentlemen? Um, yeah, I think I think on Chinese democracy, it was like Chinese democracy was the jungle or the You Could Be Mine. And... Uh, you know, like it's either uh, this I love or sorry. It was kind of like the don't cry. And then uh, there was a time or catcher was there, the there was a times the masterpiece, though. Like, yeah, that's when the, we're that's all the dead epic. and gone and future people go look back on that record. There was a time to me is the greatest song Guns N' Roses has ever done. Um, and the next album, I'm sure he's got stuff just as great. We'll just well, be, I think it's, it's hard school, isn't it? Out. It's hard school. Hard stuff just as great. I mean, guys, Atlas. it's easy to say that now because that's the thing we've really heard, right? So it's easy. That, that, that is the that's the Chinese democracy or the, the you, uh, could you could be mine. Be mine. Yeah. And then the next one is it's a toss up between Atlas or uh, I heard the nothing. I think I mean so it's kind of like a you, you don't know, but nothing sounds like it could be like a don't cry type ballad type song. But at the moment, it's probably Atlas shrugged. For the for the ballad, and then Soul Monster sounds like a strange two. So you've got the strange three. Your fucking mind is just off in another dimension. I do love it. It's Isn't fucking that strange. logical though. No, because I, I don't think there's any songs <laughs> on Chinese democracy that were like considered real, like massive rock station, you know, fucking generational hits. Maybe no, better no, is the closest that was, of, that was part of Chinese democracy. Uh, was, I mean, they think they blew. You could say, I think it was just this I love was like the don't cry. How many beers? Did, but it I, could I also be sorry. Let's 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 let let sorry or if the world. We're all going to talk over each other. I got to say, like, dude, I'm sorry. This I loved. This I love fucking sucked, man. That, agree, that is a terrible. Agree, agree, agree. But does it suck more than don't cry? I mean, hey, I hate don't wasted. cry. I love don't cry. I like don't cry. <laughs> I like Don't Cry. I genuinely like that song. It's a bit sappy, but it's um, it's it's good. Um, but I, I can I mean, I don't mind. People don't like something, but also that's a, uh, uh, that's a quick change, man. To be uh, fair, this, they I'm didn't sorry. put it out as a single, did they? They didn't put this I love out as a single. They put better wonder, out. So sucks. better is kind of like hey, a sweet. Hey, I'm talking over each other. So you could say better is like Sweet Child of Mine. That's the ballad on Chinese democracy. Right. And then, Wasted. The yeah. Gene Liars talk. He just butt-raped them over talking to him. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Jesus you know, Christ. I, I, Think twice if you're okay, Gene Liars. I'm, I'm here. I'm here. Okay. Are you sure? I'm, I'm blinking rapidly, oh, though. Yeah. I thought I'm Kobe blinking. Bryant died in a helicopter crash, but I just saw the rape he did again. Fuck. <laughs> beer, beer seven, I go a bit weird. It, it's I don't know I, I I don't mind Chinese democracy. There's some good songs on it. Um, I'm a big fan of Prostitute. I'm a big fan of this. Uh, uh, there was a time. Um, even Shacklers is good. 
but when you get into songs like This I Love, it, dude, all it reminds me, when I listen to This I Love, all it reminds me of is the Phantom of the Opera sitting in his <laughs> fucking basement with that <laughs> weird mask on his face, sitting at his piano playing to his, his, his muse above. Like, it, it's terrible, man. I, I, okay, I, I'm, I'll stop you at terrible. I think it's a good song. Definitely one of the weakest on Chinese. I'm a big Guns N' Roses fan, so even a weak song I tend to enjoy. But no, it, it shouldn't be played live anymore. I'm glad sure. it wasn't a single. There's nothing uh, strong about it. Gentlemen, I, I, I hope you all could do me a favor and close your eyes and remember those black and white. I will close light. them. All right, right, thank you. All right, guys. Everyone eyes closed. Don't peek. All right. So if we all remember Who back in me? the day. Sorry. <laughs> Back in the day, Mickey Mouse was in black and white. And if you can remember, Mickey Mouse used to play the piano. And every time I hear This I Love, I just think it's Mickey Mouse singing to Minnie with him cranking on the piano in black and white. And I hope you all closed your eyes and pictured that with me. Yeah, that's on the new ride at Hollywood Studios. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Sons of bitches. Eventually, when Universal gets bought out by freaking Disney, we will have like a, hey, come meet your, uh, it's the slash uh, teacup rides. Yeah. <laughs> you get to hit, if you hit Todd Crew, he doesn't die this time. Oh, man. Yeah, you know, I, I'm going over the track list in my head of, of Chinese, Chinese democracy, and, and there's, there's some good songs on it. Like, don't get me wrong. There's some good songs on it. I, I dig a lot of the songs, and I listened to the fuck out of that album when it came out. I listen to it probably every day, all day, every day. Um, but but is it commercial? Like I was saying, like the other, you know, the generational commercial songs that were from Appetite, that were from Use Your Illusion. I mean, I just don't see that on CD. Will it be on the next album? Well, I, I think no. I, I do think that There Was a Time is probably it is one of Guns N' Roses' best songs, and I think that's that's the song. At least when I think of Chinese democracy, that's the first song I th I think of. Because it, I think it's great. Um, as for the new album, uh, of course there'll be a song. Absolutely. Um, there's going to be a single that comes out of that new album that they're going to play the shit out of. And everybody's going to know it. Uh, or at least this is what I think. And everybody's going to know it. And it's going to be a big hit. And it's it's going to quote unquote bring back Guns N' Roses. And everyone's going to be talking about it. And uh, that's they'll be remembered by that. All right. right. All right. Well, well, how, how, how I've got a feeling. All right. Hold on. Hold on. Joe wanted to speak and then Wasted wanted to speak. So, Joe, you first, then Wasted, then oh. I got a question for all of you. I'm just curious to all you gentlemen how big you think hard school will be because – Radio stations will hopefully start rolling it out in the next week or two. I'm sure it'll be getting pushed, you know, for the next six, eight weeks or whatever it is. Uh, how big can this song get? I mean, at least in our country, Bill, Shadow of Your Love made it into the top five, had a nice two, three-month run on the radio, was a, a big success, uh, one of GNR's biggest hits ever, actually, as strange as that seems. Uh, can hard school have that kind of big run on rock radio the rest of the year? Oh, absolutely. So. Yeah, it's going to number one. Yeah, I think it's going to number one too. I really do. Like, like I said, when I heard it the other day, when I heard the official release of it the other day, like my my jaw dropped. My I hit the floor. I was like, "Holy fuck, man! Like this is Guns and Roses. Like this is Guns and Roses, man." And I, I had it on repeat. And there's there's no reason to think I'm alone in thinking that. There's there's other people that are going to be requesting this song on the radio too, for sure. 
Yeah, I've watched lots of uh, YouTube reviews of people like pressing play and then giving their instant reaction to the song. And it, almost all of them are like positive. And they say like, they sort of like absurd, but this is real Guns N' Roses. That's the main thing is that everybody accepts it. Sounds like Guns N' Roses. This is Guns N' Roses. And it's great. Wasted. Every, when you're when you're watching those reviews, are you wearing pants? Uh, I, boxer shorts. What, well, boxer does he have legs? No top with like nipple nipple clamps. Because there's there's powerful people in the world of Guns N' Roses that don't have legs. So, do you have legs? Is the question before we ask if you yeah. have pants? No, no, no legs. Only I've got a metal knee and a chip implanted in the back of my head. <laughs> but what I was saying. What I wanted to say about the um, Chinese democracy is that because it was like it was kind of like an arty album. So it seemed like Axel just like just didn't really want to make a commercial single that would be huge. Like he had. I mean, the record company must have been pulling their hair out because you get something like Sorry, which sounds is basically Don't Cry Too. But then the lyrics, you know, he fucks it up with the lyrics. If he had just done a kind of love song using that kind of dynamic. It could have been huge. But, you know, the whole point of Chinese democracy is kind of like a, a contradiction in terms. You know? So, wh- wh- you? Uh, I I like Sorry the way it is. I like the lyrics. I like I like the way yeah, this... Yeah, I like it, yeah. Sure. Um, I, I think if it had sappier lyrics, it would be more of a single. Yeah, I don't know. I I, I don't look as sorry. I don't look at sorry as as a potential single because I like it the way it is. I think the lyrics are perfect. I think the I still remember. Remember Sebastian Bach talking about how it's like this doom metal song. Do you remember that? Then they have make. Then they force him to go to rehab after that. (laughs) <laughs> probably but you know you can kind of hear what he was talking about um with the with the guitar in the background like, like it's yeah i don't know i like i like sorry the way it is i would not change like if sorry had different lyrics uh with that with the same music with uh more love song lyrics i don't think i would like it as much i sorry is one of is one of the was one of the best tracks off chinese democracy for sure the way it is don't i wouldn't yeah, change it sort of like a pure axel rose psychedelic dark psychedelic song yeah yeah but yeah i think they just whenever they had it seemed like on on the album is every time they had a chance that they're getting close to something commercial it never really happened because they went more with whatever they wanted to do rather than you know actually writing a power ballad and i think then then if they're doing another album i don't think power ballads sell an album anymore so I'm not even sure they're going to even try to make anything commercial. Because Axel said the next album is basically meaner, nastier, didn't he? And that, from all the locker leaks that we've heard, that seems to be true. Everything's pretty pretty heavy and dark and all the lyrics. I mean, only that one vocal, Nothing, that song called Nothing that they have, which is at the moment just like a chorus, that's the only thing I've heard that I think, oh, this this could cross over to the mainstream. I don't see how Observed is going to cross over to the mainstream, or even Hard School, really. But it's going to do well in the GNR rock world. I can't see it being like number one global hit around the world, like a Rihanna song or, you know, 
Cardi B. Oh no, yeah. I mean, the only chance it's going to have is on rock radio. I don't. I don't. It's not going to cross over. Um, it's <laughs> no, it's not going to be the next umbrella. I agree with you. Yeah. Whereas, if the world, if the world, I thought had crossover potential, it, and they put it out, they could have put it out as a single. They just didn't really choose a lane. They didn't really. What, what was the song from Chinese Democracy that played at the um, ending credits of? Um, I believe it was a James Bond movie, or it was it wasn't? I don't think it was James Bond. It was something else. But I think Body it was of uh, Lies. Body of Lies. Leo DiCaprio. Yeah. Leo DiCaprio's favorite song is You Could Be Mine. And what song was it? If the World. If the World. If the World, right? Okay, yeah, okay. And it's not rock, it's not really rock enough for, you know, metal fans or whatever. It's not, it's not really a heavy rock song. But I, I think that could have, that could have, that could have sold. It's kind of like a Heaven's Door meets Live and Let Die. It, it sounds like a James Bond track. Theme track. I think you may have said this on one of the previous episodes of the podcast, but I'll say it again. Um, when um, when the Anti Quiet Leaks came out, um, I played If the World for. I had a friend that was playing the circuit. At, uh, he was a DJ. He was playing the circuit, house music and stuff, right? And I played him If the World, and he fucking loved it, man. He was like, he was like, can I have this song? I'm like, well, I don't care. Like, take it, right? And he's like, I'm going to sample this where Axel sings If the World, and I'm going to sample it into my, into my, into my set list, into my set. And I'm, I'm going to play it and see people's reaction. And I asked him why. And he just said, he's like, dude, listen to this. This is fucking Axel fucking Rose, man. And I'm like, cool, you know, cool. You know, it's so funny that you say that. When, when it first leaked, I played it for a buddy of mine who's not a Guns N' Roses fan. Uh, he's a huge fish fan, you know, one of those guys that travels the country and has seen fish 200 times, and I'm sure he's done acid 400 times. I played him If the World, and it just blew his mind. Thought it was the greatest thing he'd ever heard from Axel. Uh, yeah. Couldn't believe it. Had no interest in the rest of the record, but that song clicked with him for whatever reason. Funny how that had like a sort of R&B rap feel to it, like mixed with the... Uh... Was it in the air tonight with by Phil Collins? To me, it just seemed like a huge, like sing. It could be a huge single. Like you could see them playing it in Brazil at, on beaches and stuff. And it had a, like an auto-tuned vocal. It seemed perfect for a pop single release. Yeah, yeah. But everybody yeah. hated it. You know, I saw Axel play, do it live in Taipei. Yeah, uh, for the first time. The, when he does the vocal live, it's more like a rock rock vocal so it it just seems like a pretty much a normal normal rock song live it has a bit more balls to it you saw you saw axel perform if the world live yeah well i saw the first show in 2009 after the album came out remember when axel hit the uh the paparazzi at lax yes that's that's when he was flying to their first show in type in taipei in uh in Taiwan, it was like a warm up. It was kind of like a warm up in a sort of small stadium were, or something. Were you they living in Japan. China at the time? Yeah, I took a flight from China to Taiwan to see that show. So, so you lived in China for how long? Uh, to from about 2000 until just when COVID hit, I had to get out of there. Well, no, I couldn't get back in. I came on holiday to Taiwan. And were and you? I couldn't get back in. 
did you move to China for career reasons or just uh, leisure reasons? I, I sort of just like uh, I just went there on holiday and then I just ended up getting like getting work there and just stayed. It was around the time of the Olympics um, in Beijing. And then I moved from in, Beijing in to Shanghai. Yeah. So gotcha. it was around that time where everything was opened up. The leak of Shackler's Revenge was during the Olympics, in, uh, leaked from Tiananmen Square. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, yeah from, I mean, from, well, an, inter- from an internet cafe in Tiananmen Square. Yeah, so That's what's your right. point, buddy? Mind your business. You know, and, and the, the, the leaker is now a lawyer in New York, and no, it's not oh. the one you're thinking. <laughs> See, I'm behaving tonight, you know? And I don't know how my friend Joe knows all these things, but, I mean, he's a fucking knowledgeable guy. Been, been around. Yeah, no shit, right? <laughs> It's like you can almost tell yeah. somebody somebody by just talking to them. <laughs> At that show, they played If the World, Shackles Revenge. They played If uh, This I Love for the first time. And I think, you know, DJ Aspar came out to play the solo or something or to start it. And then they switched. It was like a rehearsal show. So they were playing a lot. They played There Was a Time, you know, and uh, it was brut- right, brutally loud. Like There Was a Time, Axel's vocals. Uh, on the so have you have you heard basically every song from Chinese live? Uh, no, because I didn't go to towards the end. I didn't go. To, I only been to that show. Uh, I went to something in two thousand one with the Buckethead lineup, the original lineup, and then. But I didn't go to see when they were playing. Sorry. Gotcha. Because I've so, seen I've seen eleven of the fourteen songs live, but if the world's one of the ones I have not seen live. Yeah, and I didn't see Prostitute because they only played it like I've the seen. Last I've seen that. Thing. I'm only missing If the World Scraped and Riyadh. Everything else I've seen. Yeah, I missed Scraped by you know. If I went to the Japanese the Japanese show, they played Scraped at the next show. They played like a four hour show in Japan or something, and they played Scraped. So. I mean, liars, yeah. what, what what are you seeing, liars? You're quiet over there. Well, I'm I'm looking. I, I've seen Guns N' Roses a bunch of times. Um, I'm I'm actually looking at the set list from uh, when I saw them um, for the Chinese Democracy tour um, after it came out. I saw I saw them before um, um, uh, it came out, but I'm looking at the one because I remember they played a bunch of Chinese Democracy songs. So this was in um, January of 2010, and I'm I'm looking and yeah, so they played they played Sorry. Um, they played If the World, uh, Street of Dreams, IRS, Shackler's Revenge, which I remember it. It was pretty cool when they played that. I enjoyed that. It was just and then, like the record. Uh, what's that? Did it sound exactly like the record? Pretty close, yeah. Pretty yeah, close. That, that's what I remember. Yeah. Um, and then they, for the, one of the encores, they did This I Love. So, um, yeah. Um, and then, you know, I, I saw them before that um, also, uh, so a couple of years before that, so just before Chinese Democracy was released, and then I, a bunch of times, I saw them a few times in the 90s with the original lineup um, in Toronto a couple of times. That was that was a lot of fun. Uh, I saw them at, uh, it, it, was actually, uh, it was actually a pretty badass show. Um, so it was the original lineup. Um, I believe Adler was there. Um, and 
Skid Row open for them in Toronto. That was a fucking crazy show. Crazy, crazy that's what, show. That's what was weird is that in 91, I saw them, you know, like almost the one of the early before Usual Illusion came out. Izzy's last yeah. show in 91 yeah. at Wembley. Yeah. And that that show it started with Perfect Crime and that was amazing. And we like waited four hours and there was like titty cams and things like that. And there's this yeah. huge build up to Perfect Crime. But then I would say that in 2001, like that show was a festival show with Bucket. That was all right. That was a quite a fun show. But it, it, there wasn't the connection between the audience and the, the band. It was like seeing a new band and they were well received. And it was fun having Bucket on stage and people were there with KFC hats and everybody was preparing for Chinese Democracy to come out, the album, it seemed like. But then the actual show that was the most professional or the best show was the 2009 show, because in, in, in 91, like the band were a wreck. Duff was like lying on his back the whole show. Slash did some like his solos and stuff. And Axel was carrying the band. But, you know, they didn't even play It's So Easy that night. Can, can we playing... just point out like how amazing it is that these it guys are actually alive and yeah. Alive, together, more successful than ever. Every single fan that bitches that we don't get enough new music, please let me know how much new music, when you look at all the biggest stars of 91 or 92, how much new music are we getting from Kurt Cobain, Lane Staley, Scott Weiland, Chris <laughs> Cornell, the list goes on and on. The fact that these guys are filling stadiums all over the world, we just got two songs, we'll get more. Like, let, can we appreciate some of the good things here instead of just fixating no, no, on folks, the bad things? I know that, uh, you know, Joe's coming off as very, very uh, pro-GNR, which I understand. Uh, but to respond to the people, to, to your comment, um, yeah, all those guys are dead and they died skinny, not this big fucking tub that's on the fucking stage looking like Philip Seymour Hoffman. I mean, let's be honest. Axel's lost weight. He looks pretty good right now, which congrats, but I'm fucking terrified next year. We're talking Philip Seymour Hoffman from fucking Boogie Nights. I mean, I hope he continues staying healthy and on the path he's on right now. But I mean, anytime we could go back to fucking 2020 Axel Rose and that's a oof, that's scary kids. So. Before you shit on Scott like, Weiland and Lane Staley, you know, they went out like champs. More haven't really released. They've released I, about the same amount of albums and they're still kind of semi still going. Yeah. Metallica and, actually, and Red Hot Chili Peppers tell you to shut up. Stupid. Oh, Metallica so should stop like, making albums, though. <laughs> yeah, Metallica but I mean, they enough too shit. many albums. But. Well, last 20 years, they put out enough stuff for the fans. I mean, Gene Liars, what do you think? Do you think that they're putting up putting out enough stuff for fans like the big bands like Red Hot Chili Peppers, Metallica, Foo Fighters, fans that instead of Guns N' Roses are about the same level as Guns N' Roses when it comes to markability and what they're going to sell. What do you think, Gene Allies? Um, No. Yes and no. I mean, all the new stuff that Metallica puts out, I don't listen to. All the stuff, new stuff that Foo Fighters put out, I don't listen to. You know what I mean? So it, it's kind of just... It's kind of just shit. Even the Chili Peppers, they've kind of faded off too. Like I don't even remember when their last album was, but um, you know, you still go back to to the like if you're talking Metallica, I'm still going back to Ride the Lightning. I'm still going back to Master of Puppets. I'm not going to fucking Stay in Anger. You know what I mean? Um, 
Foo Fighters. I'm I'm going back to to that first album that they put out because it was great. You know, uh, Motley Crue. Even uh, I'm going back to Theater of Pain or Girls, Girls, Girls. Right. I'm not going up to. I'm not chomping at the bit to put on Saints of Los Angeles. You know what I mean? So <laughs> don't tell that to DJ Ashba. <laughs> Do you know what I mean, though? So yeah, it's kind of a double-edged sword, I guess. Like yes and no, right? It's kind of. I think they're aware, like Duff says, they're aware of the mystique. They they know how to keep people wanting more. It's just a different way of doing it. You know, it gives you maybe long longevity. Or it's just like normally, I just say that it's just two different ways of doing it. You got like the AC/DC Motorhead rock and roll way of doing it, the way Slash maybe wants to do it. You just keep on bringing out more and more albums of the same thing, whereas Axel seems to want to jump from every album is to, is different. So you have to wait a bit longer for them to come up with something new, and then it's worth listening to. So you don't get that Foo Fighters or Metallica effect, and they haven't and they haven't quite done the nostalgia album yet with like Rick Rubin or something. Right. Uh, Hard School is about as close as you get, and that's like some kind of haunted house type. Nostalgia. Joe, what do you think? Joe? Well, no. Listen, I see people all the time that bring up legitimate points. Such and such a band does this. They're more active. They release this. They release that. I'm not trying to invalidate that point of view. I'm just giving a counterbalance of, yes, for every, you know, Red Hot Chili Peppers that averages an album every four years, there is a million bands from that era that are dead or broken up. For better or for worse, Guns N' Roses is what it is. Uh, my point is just, this is what we have. There is a lot to appreciate. I'm not the kind of person in life to obsess over what I don't have. I'm happy for what I do have. I was thrilled to get Appetite for Destruction in 5.1 surround sound. It sounds amazing. I listen yeah. to it all the time. I thought yeah. that Appetite box was incredible. I hope and pray I talked to someone at the label that was asking fans, what do you want on the user illusion box? I said, the only thing I care about is give me the albums in surround sound. I don't think we'll get them, sadly, but I'm, I'm hoping and praying. Um, I watch Appetite for Democracy on Blu-ray all the time. Uh, you know, we've had great shows to go to and people say, well, the set list doesn't change that much. When I saw them in 2016, I saw them in 2019. You know, there were six or seven songs that were different. Like, I, we can like or not like what they're doing. I just wish we didn't, as a fan base, obsess in like the most negative way possible, acting like there's nothing to enjoy. There's plenty to enjoy, and if a different band is giving you even more to enjoy, then go obsess over that band. Well, I Guns think what Rose- happens, what I think what happens, Owen, you, you're not mentioning this part of the argument, is you know I think Fernando's been really pretty decent when it comes to reaching out to the community and responding. But Beta's just been horrible with her social media antics where she has a few glasses of wine. She goes on there and starts shit-feuding with fans. Well, she's got those $3 bottles of wine with Mojo. Oh, you know, I think that's where Mojo got that fucking habit from, too, the bastard. But, you know, when it comes down to it, man, you got to look at it. There's there's a whole other side of the fans that, like, hey, when Axel doesn't sound good or – you know, if the band does something wrong, that defend Axel no matter what. You know, the old Axel nut swingers, which it really they were so aggressive and almost a Nazi like, you know, position where they were so ruthless in what they would do that you get some new poster just coming in going, I miss Slash. And the next thing they do is they, you know, they'd scare the shit out of some guy, you know, by going, you know. <laughs> 
his voice has changed. People that don't enjoy the way his voice sounds now should stay home. Those that enjoy it should go. It's a free country. I don't, just don't understand like the people that obsess so much over something they don't like. He's not going to sound the way he sounded in 91. Sometimes he sounds better or worse, or it's a matter of taste. Uh, but sometimes you'll go on these GNR sites, and I swear it should be like a, a recovery group for former fans that have been through some sort of trauma from the delay of Chinese democracy, and they still haven't gotten over it, and they need, like, group therapy. Joe, Joe, do you have $15 on you? Because I can change your life for $15. <laughs> it's, just, it's just most of the rest hey, of the no, world wasted. or the rest of society is like a spoon-feeding. You drunk bastard, you. I'm trying to ask a question. Joe, once again, do you have $15 on you? Because I can change your life for $15. My, my pockets are empty. Well, I guess you're not going to get to be part of the club, the MyGNR Club. They call the exclusive membership, folks. That's MyGNR Club at the MyGNR Forum. And once again, folks, if you have any questions that you'd like to ask Fernando, or maybe you'd like to know where you can find some of those songs that waited before, just go and, uh, you know, see Downsy. See any of the mods over at MyGNR.com. And if you're a club member, they'll probably take care of you. Wasted, now back to you, sir. Uh, I was just saying that the you know the the people are used to just being spoon fed everything like in the rest of their life with movies that come out on time and you know products and food and fast food and pizza delivery and you know Guns N' Roses are just like the antithesis of that aren't they they just they don't deliver on time you know not everything is is like tailored I think Axel said back he said it's not have it your way it's not Burger King you know so I think that's part of it as well. Like Axel's was always trying to put out the best product he can. But why do like they the, try to fuck the fans by saying here's a thousand dollar box set? Then don't worry. Six oh, months from now, so, after all that's, the that's simple. They're just selling. Buying, they're selling less. By half. Yeah. They're but, just but, selling less for more. But if the thousand dollar version had been the only version, I I think there'd be a legitimate gripe. But when they make a $15 version and a $150 version and a $40 version, a $1,000 version. Uh, there was no like content, I guess, other than that right. hidden tape, but they didn't even really Let use it. Let me ask you a question. Do you expect yeah. to buy something brand new that's not a car <laughs> that's going to depreciate by over half in six months? Because brand new, you went from paying $1,000 to them going, ah, no, it's, it's worth 500 bucks now. So they, pretty much leached and took $500 off the most loyal fans, you know, just pure profit. That's I know it's business, but at the same time, I mean, they don't really treat the fans that great in a lot of ways. I mean, the ticket prices are they're insanely high. I mean, come on now. Let's be a little honest here. That's, that's the mystique you angle of it, isn't it? They've built, them, they built themselves up by disappearing. You know, and not being together, then they got to they got the reunion dollar. They got everybody hyped up for this kind of classic rock band. You know, the last rock band of all time. Gino so Lars, got... what do you think? So I was going to ask Joe, did you buy uh, the the locked and loaded? I'm I'm anti vinyl, so I bought the super deluxe, and I went to my local record store and paid the full suggested retail price of one seventy nine ninety eight. Okay, because I bought Locked and Loaded. Um, I, I didn't pay the $1,000. I waited a bit for it. Um, and I, I think I paid 750 
Uh, it's Canadian dollars, obviously. Uh, it was either seven fifty or eight hundred dollars, but I got the box set and, and they threw in uh, they threw in a turntable with it with the with the Guns N' Roses bullet. Uh, a little the problem with the hinges. The for the amount of money you pay, like a thousand dollars, the Sorry, hinges little... are like something from I don't know nineteen fifties or something. So let let me bring this up. Obviously, they made too many of them because they're selling them so cheap. But by making a thousand dollar version at all, did that generate like a lot of publicity for the release. Like was was it about the thousand dollars or was it about the attention that a thousand dollar version existing brought them? It wouldn't my, have been talked about nearly as much if it was five hundred. My point I was trying to make was um there's not like I, I bought it and I, I joke at myself for buying it, but I don't regret buying it. Like I, I don't regret buying it. I, I like it. I like like um, I, I got a vinyl collection and I listened to records, whatever. And I got a little space in my house where I have everything set up. And that's that's the the locked and loaded box set is kind of the centerpiece of that room, right? Where I have my setup. And every time I walk in there, it's the first thing you see, or anybody walks in there, the first thing you see. And I like it. Like, I, there's not a day that goes by that sure it was a lot of money and I spent a lot of money on it and it was probably overpriced. But I don't regret buying it. I, I like it. Yeah, we were talking about it on the forum in terms of the numbers, and I, I couldn't really work it out. But whether you know, considering a thousand a thousand dollars is what a hundred albums. So how many copies would they need to sell to kind of equal just putting out a new record? Is that something that they factor into it? That does the record company just go? We don't really want to put out a new album now. We'll, we want to put out a box set because we'll think well, it will but it's, sell more. It's not just the Appetite box. So whoever is handling, a, you know, I believe Guns N' Roses merch is Guns N' Roses merch company is owned by the same company that owns the record label because Universal's got their tentacles in all different facets of the music industry. So clearly, it's a strategy to use Guns N' Roses to cater to high end fans and the Walmart fans. So for example. You know, you go get a Guns N' Roses T-shirt at Target for eleven eighty-eight, but then they have these weird, like, designer label Guns N' Roses T-shirts on the website that are two hundred dollars, or a jacket yeah. that is eight hundred dollars. So that that's clearly part of how Universal is treating Guns N' Roses, is you can get that white whale fan, and you can get that that blue collar fan, and that's just part of the strategy. I don't think it's the last yeah. time we'll see it. I'm surprised they didn't have some $200 hard school bundle that got you all three formats and an exclusive shirt. And it comes with a fucking can opener. Not that I want to give might, them any ideas. But <laughs> it could be. Yeah. Uh, the t-shirts are going to be flooded. The red, red hard school t-shirt. You've got to get one of those. Do, do you think that, uh, you know, people like Robert Bird or Tom Zutat are going to be really excited when they see hard school and just see a locker on the front, you know, <laughs> <laughs> fucking Axel, King of the Trolls. You gotta love him. The fact that everyone expects hard school, like, oh yeah, they, you know, I'm gonna fucking have the band, uh, you know, sound checking and everything. No, they're not getting it tonight. Are they I, playing it, it this year, you think? Yeah, I think they will just to fuck with us. I think they'll probably play it the next show now, which I don't even know where that is. I was talking to E.T. today. I think he said it's in Baltimore. <laughs> they better not play one in a million. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Not in Baltimore. <laughs> is this a hard song to sing live? Do you think? 
So I, I, I posted this on the forum this week because somebody asked that question. I think if they open the show with hard school instead of It's So Easy, I think Axel can pull it off. It's the first song of, of the night. Um, it, it'd be fucking amazing if they do, because, you know, they got the bell and they got Duff Space and then the song kicks in, right? And it's the new but song. So, don't they it's normally it. open with a, a kind of a, an easier song? Like, I think it's song number two, so the first song warms them up would maybe have a better shot. Because okay. they open with Chinese for so long because it's a little bit of a lower register and they open with easy now. And so, but yeah, maybe early in the set after a couple songs might make sense. Yeah, for sure. Do you, do you guys think he sang Shadow of Your Love in Coma to keep testing himself to kind of like build the stamina <laughs> to try hard school? <laughs> Coma's like training, training center. Coma's like Rocky Four running in the fucking snow up the mountains. Jeez. That coma is a, a long song. Is that possible, or am I crazy for thinking that? No, 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 That's that sounds accurate to me. I mean, I wouldn't bet eating a shoe on it, but, I mean, it sounds pretty accurate. They, he introduces them in, in stages, doesn't he? He doesn't play coma the first show. He no, sort of brings it in as his voice gets stronger. Yeah, but, I mean, they only have a few shows left, and then they're done until what, next? Well, I'm a, I'll, I'll be at the last show, so hopefully uh... – Cross my fingers that we're getting hard school. What's, where's the Joe, last show? Joe, Joe, wait a second. You're going to drive all the way down from southern Indiana. Yep. Southern Indiana is a long way. I mean, that's insane. Are you sure? Trockley's flying in from the west coast. Oh, dude, where's someone that? tell Margo. Dude, fucking hey, dude. I know she's had a rough time lately getting harassed by Mojo and shit, but with fucking Trockley nearby, I mean, that guy loves her. I mean, he loves her. No, no, everyone's quiet now. See, this is what happens when Brasky gets to talk. Everyone gets quiet. I, I'm just, I'm trying to. I asked you guys where the where the next where the last show. Oh, it's was. it's in it's in Florida. Oh, okay, okay. The okay. last two shows are in Florida. November, October second and third. Oh yeah, I'm looking at fucking Australia right now. Okay, there's there no more Australia. It's postponed, right? Yeah. Oh fuck! It's it, it, you can still buy tickets on their website for Australia. <laughs> I don't have they announced that it's postponed. Everyone's saying it is, but I don't know that it's been announced yet. The Mexico shows are postponed. Yes, those those are officially postponed. Yeah, but I'm I'm on their website. I'm on GunsNRoses.com right now, and you can still buy tickets for the Australia New Zealand shows. Does anyone like still find it funny that GNR don't talk about being the last major musical performance live act? in the time of the coronavirus pandemic, that they had the last major rock show. I was almost North there. America. I was almost there. So I think I've told this story before. I'll tell it again uh, anyways. Are, are you, Joe, are you sure you can tell the story? Cause, yeah, uh, I'll tell. I'll, I'll leave out some of the reasons I was there. Okay, but, so, yeah, yeah. Joe, um, Joe likes donkeys. <laughs> no, that is not true. Okay. Not a fan. Uh, so I, I was down in Mexico the night before the Guns N' Roses show. And I was planning on going to the Guns N' Roses show, uh, and I got tipped off by those in the know that uh, the border is going to be closing at any moment. Could be today, could be two days from now, but it, it's closing soon. Uh, not to uh, protect the United States from people from Mexico, because Mexico had no cases. It was Mexico wanting to protect themselves from Americans. Uh, so I did not want a chance it of getting caught down there. 
And uh, so I went back across the border. They ended up closing the border, I think, like two or three hours after the Guns N' Roses show ended. So it was a close call. Wow. Crazy. That would have been bad. Yeah. Now in Canada, they don't close down the border, do they? Or do they just politely ask you to turn around? In in Canada? Yeah. Um, well, they'll, they will ask you, um, and then they'll say sorry. Okay. And, and then they'll, they'll probably let you through. And then well, in America, we, we, we'd be rolling up with our fucking, you know, pickup truck that's lifted, our mullet, you know, beer gut hanging over and throwing McDonald's wrappers out in our fucking window. So I'd understand why, you know, the Canadians don't want us. <laughs> you sound a lot like the people from my province, though. Uh, that's, uh, sounds, it sounds a lot like, uh, people around here i'm just well, so i'm just looking here brasky they're they're playing baltimore next oof. after that they're in they're in north carolina are you going dude that's like four and a half hours from me no way i'm fucking going i hope i, I know someone else that might be going though which would be funny <laughs> miser no <laughs> it'd be even funnier let's just say uh would it be round three <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Oh, my God. Luckily, the show doesn't get released, and I can release it when I want to. Na, 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 na. And, and then they're finishing in Hollywood, Florida. Where's Hollywood, Florida? Where it's, is Fort, it's the Fort Lauderdale area. There's, oh, okay. a casino, there's a casino down there. Okay. Okay. Cool. Nice. I mean, it sounds really classy. Guys, this has been probably our best show when it comes to just straight talk about GNR. Um this is a different show. We're always going to be different. We're always going to have fun, different shows. Sometimes we're going to be serious and sometimes we're just going to talk music. Other times we're going to talk about women like we did with odd or we'll have miser stories, but I really want to thank Joe for being on Joe. Is there anything you want to say before we head out? Yes. Message boards are dead. Find us in the get in the ring discord. Okay. And if anyone's wondering what Joe's username is on the getting ring discord, I have no fucking idea. No, I, ha- I have no idea what it is. I forgot what it was. <laughs> All right, and uh, once again, Wasted, it's always a pleasure. You sound absolutely shitted, so how are you, buddy? Uh, life is a Ponzi scheme. Well, then. Well, that's pretty good. GNR Liars. Call me Bernie Madoff. I don't know. Um, yeah, man, it's always fun. I, 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 love, I look forward to Saturday nights when we tape this. Um, I look forward to coming on. Um, I spoke. I, I spoke to ET today. I gave him a call. Uh, we caught caught up. Oh, on you phoned home. I did. I did. I did. Um, and it was nice to talk to him. So shout out to to Mr. ET. Um, Which, by the way, folks, we haven't forgot about the ET fund for uh, his enjoyment. We're just waiting for Mr. Bonham and Mr. ET to come back on the show, which probably is going to happen next week. So Weeks. I wanted. To, I almost forgot that. So uh, thanks for reminding me, liars. Yeah, and um, it, it was really cool talking to you uh, today, Joe. Uh, that was uh, it was a good conversation we had about Guns N' Roses. And, yeah, uh, enjoyed it. Love talking to all you fellas. And uh, all right. I, I, I won't say we'll do this soon because I don't know that I can, but we will do it again at some point. Perfect. All right, and remember, folks.